0: welcome back to the frank take everybody uh it is week eight in the nfl and uh, we're back to talk some football with you guys like we are every friday um alec is with me once again and uh you know as usual we don't we don't take much time we'll jump right into it uh, talking about Green Bay and Arizona on Thursday night. Uh, what a game that was. Um, Alec, if we're going to look at that game, both these teams now the top two seeds in the NFC, the Packers taking over as one. Um, what were some of the notes that you took from the game? Uh, you know, notes on Arizona, uh, notes on Green Bay. What were What were some of the takeaways after that one?
1: Yeah. Um, we'll start with Green Bay. I mean, I think I, I would argue that might've been one of the most impressive wins of the season. Uh, Green Bay's, you know, obviously going into that game really down their top three receivers, you know, Valdez, Scantling has been on the IR and then obviously Lazard and of course, Devonte Adams on the COVID list. So you're going down there. And then also Robert Tunyon got hurt during the game that looked to be pretty significant. So really in a lot of ways that might be like Aaron Rodgers' four top targets. So he's throwing to Randall Cobb, you know, who he's got a long history with, but Cobb's a little up there in age. He's not quite the same player. And then really a bunch of guys that, you know, Amari Rogers, a rookie, a couple of guys who I had never heard of. He was throwing the ball to, he's getting the ball to Aaron Jones a lot. AJ Dillon, but I just thought it was really impressive by green Bay. I thought they had a nice game plan. They ran the ball really effectively against the Cardinals. Um, they were really physical. I thought defensively, they were really opportunistic, created some turnovers. Obviously the game ceiling turnover was huge. Um, and really just, you know, on a short week, Going against an undefeated team on the road, a pretty long trip for a short week from Green Bay to Arizona. I thought it was just an incredibly impressive win for the Packers, and for you know, and for a team that uh, a lot of people liked after Week One when they lost by thirty-five points to the Saints and thought, "Oh, Rodgers doesn't care; they're dead." Here they are; they've won seven games in a row. They're the top seed in the NFC. Uh, they got the best record in the NFL, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But the was a pretty impressive win for Green Bay. I thought.
0: Yeah. We, we learned a lot from the Packers last night. I think, uh, they're, they're a gritty team. Um, and you know, they, they're still loaded up on talent. They were missing, like you said, a lot of their top targets and, uh, to come into Arizona and and go get that win, you know, um, as, as close as it might've been, uh, that's huge for them. So, yeah, I think some of the, some of the notes that I took is, um, it was, it was a weird game for both teams. I don't feel like either team put out their best performance, obviously green Bay with the injuries. Um, they got stopped in the red zone quite a bit. Um, they, they couldn't convert touchdowns. I remember on the, on the muffed punt by Rondo Moore, they only got a field goal out of that. They tried to seal the game up, um, at the end there, uh, and turned it over on down. So there were some, there were some missed opportunities certainly for green Bay, um, in that, in that stretch. And then if you look at Arizona, the turnovers killed them. I mean, obviously they had three of them, two of them inside their own 10 yard line. So, uh, that was a big contributor to their loss. Um, you know, I, I haven't given Arizona the respect that they deserve all year. Um, and I'm, I'm not about to, by the way, but I, I'm not, you know, I I was watching Arizona really in depth last night, especially through the first half. And, uh, you know, I'm just not as impressed with them as I want to be like, that was a beat up green Bay team and, you know, kudos to the Packers. They, they go in there and get it done, but I mean, that, that could have been a big game for Arizona to be eight. zero, get the tiebreaker with a team. That's going to be right up there. Um, Like, I don't know. They, they just weren't as crisp as I, as I expected. And, um, you know, obviously they had injuries of their own, but, um, I'm, I'm still not sold on Arizona as being, you know, anywhere in the conversation as the top team in the NFC, I, you know, as it stands right now, I would take Tampa. I would take green Bay. I would take LA and maybe Dallas over Arizona. Um, but you know, I, I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but I just still, and not as impressed as I, as I should be with Arizona at this point.
1: Yeah. And I, and I understand that. And I think the team in the NFC is a really, it's kind of an interesting conference where you've got, I think really those five teams that you just listed are really like there's, they've kind of separated themselves as five, you know, really great to almost to elite teams in the NFL. And then you've got a bunch of other teams and we'll see what happens, but I think the Cardinals are in that group, but where they slot in that group is going to be kind of a big, a big deal. And I, I expect them to ultimately fall short of the division to the Rams, but Um, you know, last night, what I saw from Arizona, I mean, it was, it was a hard fought. It was a competitive football game, two really, two really good teams, you know, and the Cardinals were obviously not at full strength either. Obviously they just lost lost J.J. Watt for the season. DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, he, you could tell his hamstrings really bothering him. He obviously missed a lot of time last night. He put himself back in, he did make a catch, but it just wasn't, it, it wasn't the normal DeAndre Hopkins that we're used to seeing. Um, so I think that was a pretty, you know a big deal. But, you know, even then I, I thought that, you know, Green Bay was in the lead for by about seven to 10 points most of the night. Um, but the Cardinals battled back, you know, they were down 10 points in the fourth quarter, got a touchdown, got the ball back uh, with a big stop, you know, down there at the goal line and and then really came one play away from winning it and so I, I thought I thought both teams last night showed a lot of resilience. I expect both those teams to to be major players in this thing going down the stretch. But I think it's a pretty disappointing night for the Cardinals. You know, you want to you want to protect your home field and on a short week against a really beat up team. But I, you know, credit to the Packers, credit to Aaron Rodgers for making just enough throws and plays. Um, and just them being resilient and gritty that's a tough that's a tough win to get against a team that was riding high like the cardinals but the packers uh they got it done and that's that's going to be pretty significant going forward in the standings when we get to tiebreaker scenarios down the road
0: yeah absolutely um speaking of tiebreakers we'll look at our uh a little bit at our playoffs right now so we're going into week 8 uh, normally in a in a past season, this would have been exactly the halfway point. Uh, but I figure we're close enough to it. So we're going to take an in depth look at the playoffs right now and uh, compare that with our preseason predictions. So, um, as it stands right now in the AFC, we've got the Bengals at one, the Raiders at two, the Titans at three, the Bills at four, Ravens five, Chargers six, and the Browns seven. Uh, and then in the NFC, we've got the Packers at one, Cardinals, Bucks, Cowboys. And then our wild cards right now are the Rams saints and the Vikings. So, um, if we compare that, uh, to our preseason predictions, we'll just kind of go through some of our surprises, some of our disappointments. Um, let's lead it off with the chiefs, uh, because they're obviously the biggest disappointment, I think, from, uh, where we had them in the preseason. I had them at 15 and two. And as the one seed in the AFC, uh, I believe you had them in a similar spot. Um, is there any way the Chiefs work their way back into the into the mix here, not only of playoffs but as Super Bowl contenders? Um, playoffs,
1: absolutely. I still believe the Chiefs are going to go to the playoffs. I think ultimately they're. Uh, I don't know if they're going to win the division. Obviously, with the Raiders and the Chargers and the way they're playing, and the Chiefs have you know some ground to make up. But I, I think the Chiefs will ultimately sneak in there as a wild card. But really. You know, like we like we've talked about in previous weeks with the Chiefs, them just sneaking into the playoffs and kind of getting in there and then losing in the wild card round. I mean, that's a fail. That's a, that's a failure for the Chiefs. So while I do expect them to make it, um, I don't expect them to make too much noise in the playoffs at this point. And really, I think that you know that's that's obviously extremely disappointing. And you know, we can talk a lot about you know, how bad their defense has been. And it has been bad, but I thought they were a little bit better against the Titans last week. Um, I did not think they were the reason they lost the game. They were really bad to start, but they did a nice job against Derrick Henry in the run game. Um, it just right now with the way the Titans offense is, it's kind of hard to defend because you've got Derrick Henry and then you put so much emphasis on that. It opens up the play action pass for Tana Hill and Tana and AJ Brown was just cooking everybody one-on-one. So there's that, but really the offense last week was a disaster. I mean, they just, they were turning these, these turnovers continue to happen for the chiefs. They, they are not taking care of the ball. And I I keep saying that eventually they're going to stop turning it over, but I mean, really we're, we're now, you know, we're now through seven games of the season and they're, they're turning it over at a pretty ridiculous clip here. Um, it just continue, you know, picks fumbles, you know, just miscommunication miscues. It, it's just not, it's not the chiefs that we're used to seeing. So ultimately I think talent wise, they'll sneak into the playoffs as a wild card team, but I don't see them, you know, can, com- uh, competing with teams like the Bills and the Ravens and the Chargers and we'll see what happens to the Titans and all these teams. The AFC's got some pretty good teams. It's a pretty balanced conference. Um, so we'll see, but I expect the Chiefs to probably go about nine and eight or 10 and seven, sneak in as like the seven seed, but that's obviously way off 15 and two, which we've, you know, predicted for them to, be the one seed in the AFC. And I I expected him to go back to the super bowl. So, but that I do not see that happening.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, the chiefs are, uh, they're struggling. We know that, uh, one, one stat that I found that was kind of interesting, um, is Mahomes. So we know his play style, you know, he's always been a risk taker. That's kind of how he goes. Um, so last year he had 23 turnover worthy plays. Uh, Which those are tracked by PFF. I think that's a really cool stat. Uh, Basically, just whenever you put the the ball in harm's way, that's counted as a turnover worthy play, whether it's um, whether it's actually resulting in a turnover or not. Right. So we had 23 turnover worthy plays and only 11 turnovers. This year he has nine turnover worthy plays and nine turnovers. So there's a certain element to luck with turnovers that are pretty interesting. Um and it seems like in recent years, Mahomes has taken risks and they haven't really panned out. Uh and this year he's taken risks and all of them are are hurting him. So um I think there is, you know, and I've heard you talk about turnover luck before, but I think there's an aspect to that turnover luck, and maybe it's finally catching up with Patrick Mahomes, but I think this turnover streak, you're right, it could it could continue for a long time um because this is kind of the way that Patrick Mahomes plays and it hasn't caught up to him yet but I mean we've seen a lot of tip balls, a lot of um throws into tight windows that have been intercepted this year, a lot of fumbles like you know this is how he plays, it's it's reckless and there's high risk, high reward um and it's kind of biting him this year. So, um yeah, I, I think this could uh this could really uh, damage them long-term. And then if we're looking at this week, um, they've got their game against the giants on Monday night. Uh, the spread is 10. I know that, that we, um, aren't covering this game in depth, but, uh, you know, do you think there's a chance that they lose this game? And if they do, uh, are they in danger of not even make the playoffs?
1: They, if they do lose this game, then yes, they are absolutely in danger of that. I do expect them to win. I expect them to play a lot better than they did last week in Tennessee. I, I just think that was a real mess. But, you know, kind of interesting about the Chiefs, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes and, you know, is he putting the ball in harm's way? And he's done that a lot, but it's this year it's starting to you know, there's some things I'm noticing and it's almost, it's a little similar to what I actually have seen as a Seahawks fan with Russell Wilson last season in the second half. So the Titans played pretty much exclusively two high safeties. So they, they were pretty much saying, look, like, well, if you're going to, if you're willing to be patient and take underneath stuff to these different guy running backs, maybe Travis Kelsey, we're going to try to take Tyreek Hills downfield ability out of the game and your ability to throw the ball deep and hit those explosive plays. And, they're challenging him in that offense to be patient and they're just not, I don't think that's how they're built and they can be patient, but it's not how Mahomes likes to play. And so I expect, you know, the giants to do the same thing. And I actually remember the giants when they played the Seahawks last year, that's when we lost, that was the worst loss of our season because the giants just played exclusively too high safety and Russell wasn't willing to take underneath stuff. And we just kept pushing the ball downfield into no man's land. And so, Uh, You know, that's what the Chiefs have been doing. They did a lot against the Titans, trying to push the ball down the field. And it's not working because teams are trying to take that away and make him be patient. So he's going to have to make an adjustment. I think I think he's fully capable of it. He's shown he can throw the he can be patient like that. He's just got to do it consistently because teams are not going to start letting Tyreek Hill, you know, go by him. You're not going to play one on one coverage with Tyreek Hill out there and Travis Kelsey out there. You're going to start playing different zones and especially zones that take away all the deep looks and to make you underneath. And it's going to be a challenge for him the rest of the season to be patient and take those. Cause if he can't, then their offense won't be as successful as I believe it can be still going forward. And then they may miss the playoffs ultimately. So that's an adjustment he's going to have to
0: make. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, the patience is, that's been a a factor all season. So, um, you know, we'll see if he, if he actually can manage to do that. Um, I think the chiefs are going to have to reevaluate a little bit. Um, honestly, I mean, if they. I, I don't think they're going to cover the spread this week. The spread is 10. I think they're actually going to play a close game with the Giants, um, which is not like the Chiefs we're used to. Um, but, you know, I feel like it's just, you know, they're the Chiefs, like up until the point where they're officially eliminated. I feel like they've got a chance and, you know, you kind of hit on that. But um yeah, I mean it's it's slipping this year and you know, you go into the playoffs, Mahomes has never played a road playoff game before. Um that's a whole different environment, so there's something to be said like if they don't win this division, uh their their Super Bowl chances are obviously in in a whole lot of danger. So, uh yeah, we both had the Chiefs as the top seed in our AFC predictions, that did not work out. Um hopping over to the NFC, we've harped on the Cardinals a little bit. Uh we both had him as a wild card. I had him as the seven seed. I believe you did too. Uh, what's made the Cardinals, you know, go as crazy as they have this year, obviously their first loss last night. But, um, I mean, what, what did we miss in Arizona?
1: Well, you know, I think as I talked about kind of when we did our NFC West preview show, one of my biggest problems with the Cardinals was never really the talent on their roster. I I believe Arizona had the talent to be seven and one like they are right now. That was not really what my concern was. I think my my bigger concern really was with the was with Cliff Kingsbury, some of the scheme issues and some of their inexperience. And I just didn't know. Ultimately, if they were really at the point where you know, like I thought they could maybe make a run, like and be what they are right now, obviously the addition of w- with with JJ Watt really helped them. Now he's out, and I think you know you suffer that loss, and I actually think that's going to be a pretty significant deal for them going forward. But in terms of why they, I think they've been this successful. There's a couple reasons, really. One is Kyler Murray's been pretty sensational for the most part. He's completing a high rate of his throws. He's making big plays, and I think. I, one of the things I noticed with him last season that I think kind of hindered their whole offense and really hindered them as a team was he seemed to be a little bit more focused, at least to my eye, on trying to just throw from the pocket too much. And he wasn't, he wasn't moving around and running as much as I would think he would like to, as he would normally do with how fast and quick he is and how dynamic he is in the open field. And. That's just not really his game. He can throw from the pocket, but for him to really be the dynamic player that he is, he's got to get out on the edge. He's got to run. He's got to make plays with his legs. And the Cardinals offense is really hard to stop when he does it. And he's doing a lot more of that this year. So along with his, you know, his ability to, you know, make downfield throws, but also be efficient with the high completion percentage, he's using his legs more. And I think that's really helping him. And then the other thing is, I think we may, I think both of us, both you and I undersold the defense a little bit. The Cardinals' defense is playing well. They've got really good safeties that they're good at all three levels. They're really fast. They can get after the quarterback. Obviously, the JJ Watt thing is going to hurt them, but they've been, you know, the one thing is they haven't been great against the run that got exposed last night. But they haven't been terrible against the run. But they've been getting after the quarterback. They've got great speed at all three levels. Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, great, really playing well at safety. Pretty good corners creating turnovers so there's things that even though i think there are some hindrances on the team still i'm not a big fan of cliff kingsbury as a head coach um i think just from a talent perspective the cardinals are you know doing a lot of good things um but we'll see going forward they've had a knack for they've started off fast before and then they start falling off so obviously uh, their first loss of the season last night so we're going to see how they uh respond going forward but they've definitely had a good season up to this point
0: Yeah, Cardinals have continued to impress. Uh, That offense is really explosive. Um, And yeah, I think Kingsbury's tapped into more of Kyler Murray's skill set this year. Um, I think that kind of happens as you, um, and, and Kyler Murray as well, like as you get to be uh, more experience in this league. Like he's not necessarily just taking off and running every time. Like he's manipulating the pocket, moving back and forth, up and down. He's small, you know, he's um, he, but he's using that to that, to his advantage. You know, if that's even a possibility at quarterback, like you see Russell do it all the time, move around, uh, maneuver. Like it's a, it's a smaller target to hit, you know, um, these are big D linemen. So, I mean, I think he's doing a really good job um, of just tapping more into his skill set and using that to his advantage. Um, but you're right. We have seen the Cardinals falter in past years. I believe there were six and three last year um, went on to lose uh, three of their last five. Uh, and, you know, they, they obviously ended up missing the playoffs. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs this year. <laughs> Um, but I'm looking at the, uh, the schedule and they've got the Niners coming up next followed by the Panthers, Seahawks, bears, Rams, lions. So, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of easier games in there. I think if the Cardinals, um, you know, if if they continue to grow and develop as a team, like they could win a lot of games in that stretch, they could, you know, definitely come out of that stretch still only having one or two losses. So, Um, We'll see what the Cardinals are made of. I still think there's a lot to be seen on Arizona though. Like you said, they've tended to falter in recent seasons. I'm not sold on them yet. Um, But, you know, if they go in to December and they're 11 and one or, you know, 10 and two or whatever, like you can't really deny it at that point. So um, yeah, I think that that's the the scoop on the Cardinals. If we're looking at the NFC too, right now we got the, the five teams that we said are kind of the top tier in the NFC. And then we got the Rams saints Vikings in the wild card, you know, maybe the Rams win the division and the Cardinals switch back into that wild card. Uh, what do you think the chances are that the NFC stays set completely as it is right now? Not necessarily in terms of rankings, but just those seven teams staying set. Uh, because I actually think there's a fair chance that this NFC stays exactly as it is right now. And, um, that's a pretty rare thing.
1: Yeah, I, I
0: agree. I mean,
1: you know, you look at the teams that are out at the on the outside, uh, looking in. I think, I mean, Atlanta. And I don't see it. The Bears are the Bears are a mess. Like they, that team is just a mess, and they they probably need to get rid of Matt Nagy. That's another conversation. But that guy's kind of a idiot. I yeah. think. Yeah, he just has not done a very good job there. The Panthers have lost four straight. Um, I I mean, really, if we're looking at if there's any, the only two teams that I think can make any noise are the Niners and Seahawks. And both those teams have struggled, obviously, a lot. I mean, I've seen it with the Seahawks, but you still have the opportunity with Russell coming back that if you can limp into a win against Jacksonville this week and go into the bye and get them off the bye, maybe you make a run. Um, And the 49ers, I think, still have a talented roster. Um, so th- those are, and we both, you know, those were the two teams we had as the five and six seeds, each of us, but really after those two teams, and I think that's really unlikely for either one. I, I think the seven that are in there are the, probably the seven playoff teams. So I would not be shocked at all if it stays out of it is
0: Yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking too. And how rare is that that you get halfway through the season could potentially already have your playoff picture set. Um, but I absolutely agree with you. I'm looking at those there's a lot of like three and three teams, three and four teams in the NFC, namely the the Falcons and the Panthers and the Bears who don't really seem as good as three wins. I mean, those are not good football teams at this point. Um, and so I don't think either any of those teams have a chance. Um, but if we're looking at the Seahawks and the 49ers, like they're both in tough spots too. And the Niners can't really get their stuff figured out. Uh, and, you know, there's actually with all the injuries and both those teams are pretty beat up. There's a, sh- there's a, there's a real chance that, the Niners and the Seahawks lose this week, which means Seattle will be two and six Niners are two and five. And then if we look at the saints and the Vikings, uh, you know, with all the Dak Prescott stuff going on and uh, just the Vikings are playing better football, if they beat Dallas and, you know, the saints somehow slip out a win against the bucks, you know, even though I think the Niners and Seahawks are going to have a chance to make a run at it late when they get healthier, like that puts them two or three games behind those teams um and they all play in the same division so they're going to be taking losses to each other so this week is actually a pretty pivotal week i think um in determining what that nfc is going to look like but i yeah i mean if i were to make a bet on it i think it stays exactly as it is um and it's just a matter of shuffling teams up and down with seating
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. Not to mention the fact that from a Seahawks perspective, we lose. We have lost to Minnesota and New Orleans, so we don't hold that tiebreaker. They both those teams have the tiebreaker over the Seahawks. That's true. So that's going to be that that's going to be really significant. Um, So, yeah, I I just don't I don't see a scenario um, where either team makes it. Uh, Obviously, the 49ers are playing the Bears this week. That is a really I don't know. Both those teams are playing bad football right now. So I'm kind of curious to see where that'll go. And I think the Seahawks are going to lose to Jacksonville. So I think they're going to be pretty much out of it. So because at two and six, it's, that's pretty much death. You're not even with Russell coming back, hopefully off the buy, they'd probably have to go eight and one or something down the, in the last nine. And I just don't think we're going to do that. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think it's going to stay as it is. And I think the seating will stay relatively um, the same, I think the saints and Vikings at the six and the seven is actually going to be right where it'll finish. Yeah. Um, I think the Cardinals will be the five. Um, and then we'll see how the shuffling with the leaders goes. Cause there's a lot that can still shuffle around and that's going to be really a big deal in the NFC because I think there's all, all four of the division winners are going to be, I think pretty tight in the record. So it's going to, it depend-
0: you could have four or five, three lost teams, which is crazy. Three or four. Yeah, it's, it's like- possible. Yeah, no. which, I mean, then then it makes obviously the one seed is huge because you get a buy through the first round of all the like all the madness that goes on in Wild card Weekend, and you get home field advantage, so that's obviously huge. You um, can, do that. and then you know the but the other big one I think is whoever ends up with that four seed, you might be a twelve and five team who ends up with the four seed, and in that case, you got to play another really good team who's the five seed. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's going to be really interesting too. Like if you get the. <laughs> I don't know if you get the the Cowboys or the Rams or, you know, maybe the Packers slip. I don't know. Um, if you get one of those teams in the four spot playing against another one, like that's going to be, that's going to be a really good game in the first round. Um and it's a yeah. game for any of those teams to have to go down in round one. Boy,
1: and it's going to be tough because, you know, whether it's, I think it's pretty much, a, I would say it's close to a sure thing that it's probably going to either be the Cardinals or Rams as the five. Yep. And I mean, imagine being one of those two teams and you say you win 13 games, you go 13 and four and you have to likely play the whole post season on the road. Yeah. Like that is tough. Like, the NFC has got some really high level teams yeah. at the top. So it's going to be pretty interesting to watch, especially because I think really the NFC is going to come down to those five teams that are sitting at the top right now. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be pretty interesting for sure.
0: For sure. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a huge difference in seating, like you said, between playing the a team like the Rams or the Cardinals versus playing a team like the saints or the Vikings. So I think really, if you're in the NFC, uh, you're, you're really vying obviously for that one seed, but if you don't get that one seed, the two or three are just going to be so much more crucial than usual. Um, yeah. Cause that five seeds is going to be no joke. Um, so yeah, the NFC is going to be really interesting this year. Um, I love it when it's wide open and feels like an open race. And then we go over to the AFC, not quite as dominant, especially on the top half, but, uh, you, I mean, I think it's relatively wide open compared to other years. I think it's, you know, the bills might be ahead above the other teams, but again, the bills are four and too. So maybe they have some inconsistencies that we're going to keep seeing throughout the year. It's not like they've just ran over everybody, but um, yeah, a lot to talk about there. I want to talk about the AFC North. We both had the Bengals uh, winning five or six games this year which felt like a pretty generous total for a team like Cincinnati, right? Like, oh yeah, they're going to take a step in the right direction, build up some more draft picks. They'll be ready by next year. Looks like they're a year or two ahead of the curve. Um, so, I mean, let's, let's talk Bengals. What are their chances to win the North? And then uh, what are their chances to keep the one seed, which is what they own right now?
1: Uh, chances to win the North. I think they've got a shot They're They're not going to keep the one seed, but you know, I'm going to, I got to give credit to the Bengals. And, and I also will be the first to admit when we did our little draft show, I was wrong. I was advocating that Penny Sewell should be the pick. I mean, Jamar Chase is like one of the, is right now one of the best receivers in the NFL. Like, I mean, he is changing. He's changing the offense. I mean, he like his ability. I mean, he toasted Marlon Humphrey last week. Who's a good corner. Like Marlon Humphrey's one of the better man-to-man corners in the NFL. And Jamar Chase just took him to work the whole day. I mean, it's pretty impressive. And Burrow and Chase's connection is really impressive down the field. And it just added a whole new element to that offense. And also, their defense. The Bengals' defense is good. That is, they have a legit defense. I think their
0: front seven is way overperforming what people thought it would be.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, at this point, I mean, through a seven-game sample size, I think that's enough to know that that front seven is going to stay. Maybe not quite as good as it has been the rest of the way, but it's going to be a it's going to be a good front, and it's just going to be a solid defense. And so, I think the Bengals are um, they're they're gonna they're not gonna be the one seed i don't think they're going to win the north I, I still think baltimore ultimately probably is going to win the north i had the browns in the preseason i don't like that as much right now uh i think the ravens ultimately win the north but the Bengals. i mean i i think they're, they're definitely going to make yeah they're going to be right in it I mean, oh yeah they're going to be a, they're going to be a wild card they could be the fifth seed the sixth seed but you know the afc is crazy like i'm looking at these teams and there are a lot of teams that i think can win the afc like i like really i I don't see like just one team or two teams. Like I count, I can count a lot of teams that I think can go to the Super Bowl from the AFC this season. Like there's a lot.
0: No, I I totally agree. And I'm looking at the, the Bengals schedule and um, yeah, they're going to have their shot. I think they've got New York this week. That, that should be a blowout win. And then you're six and two heading into a game against Cleveland uh, which is very winnable. So um, you know, that it's not like their schedule is crazy hard. Uh, It does get tougher. I would say, especially in the last three games, those are going to be huge, but, Um, The team that I want to talk about uh, who I actually think this AFC caters to at this point in the season. um, I think, you know, we've talked about the AFC it's wide open. Um, You know, I don't think any of these teams are super dominant. It's not looking like we're going to have a bunch of games in Kansas city. So it's not going to be a major home field advantage type of thing. Um, The team I think this benefits is the, is the Titans, honestly, because you look at the Titans and, They're one of those sneaky teams that, uh, can come into really any environment, silence the crowd real quick. They run the ball. They they're so solid in their identity. Um, I don't think the Titans get phased, you know, they're, they're up 10, they're down 10 formula is the same. We're running it to Derrick Henry, waiting for him to break off his 75 yard touchdown seems to do that every game. Plus the Titans have experience kind of flying under the radar. They had that run in 2019, if this AFC goes into the playoffs the way it is right now, where virtually every team has the same exact record, I mean, there's six, six teams right now with two losses. So I think the Titans really have a chance to beat anyone. I think they've showed it the last two weeks. Um, as of right now, that would be definitely my dark horse pick behind Buffalo to win this AFC. I think that's a, I think it's a great
1: observation and you're right. The Titans are like, if they're, there might not be a team in the NFL, honestly, that is more like true. And like, has such a clear identity, especially offensively than the Titans. I mean, I go back to the week two game when they came to Seattle, I obviously watched that whole game. The Titans were down 30 to 16 in the fourth quarter and Derrick Henry finished the game with 35 carries. Like they just, they handed him the ball. They were like, they just, carried no matter what. Yeah. I mean, and, they came back and won because we eventually they just wore us down so much and Henry popped off a 70-yard touchdown and changed the game. And it's it's pretty impressive because they they are super convicted in their identity. You're right. And they'll just keep running the ball to him. I think, you know, in terms of for the Titans, I think the Titans probably need over at certain points during the season, they, they I think they're gonna have to manage Derrick Henry's workload a little bit. I know how much of a physical freak he is, but I mean, you can't give him the ball thirty times a game in the regular season. You're just putting too much, I think, at risk because you need him healthy for the playoffs. Um, but I agree, the Titans are are a very are very much a dark horse team in the uh, in the AFC. I I think ultimately, if I had to take a favorite, it's still Buffalo. I think Buffalo is the most complete. I think they're. Probably They might have the most dynamic offense in terms of just the ability to quickly score. I think their defense is still really good. I know they struggled with Eric Henry and the Titans, but right now everyone is. Um So I would say the Bills are probably the best team in the AFC. And if I had to put some money on one team, that would be who it was. But I, I look at it and there's a lot of teams that I think can go can go represent the AFC. I mean, I count, I count like six or seven that I could make that I could make a
0: feasible argument
1: for, and that's pretty exciting because that means it's going to be a really exciting playoffs. I think.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, super exciting. A lot to look for in both of those conferences. Uh, we are going to be making our official playoff predictions, um, our first round of them, next week on the show. Um, so we'll definitely be coming back with some more playoff talk. Um, but let's move into, uh, some of our games this week. So we're going to take a little more time, uh, on these games and, uh, yeah, I think there's, uh, there's, there's five good ones. Uh, which one you want to start with? Uh, let's start with that Steelers Browns AFC North game. Awesome. Yeah. We'll get right into that one. Uh, Steelers three and three Browns four and three, uh, it's in Cleveland, Cleveland, three and a half point favorites. And, um, the last I've seen, I checked yesterday, they hadn't quite decided on the status of Baker and Nick Chubb. Um, I don't know if we've heard anything else on that, but it feels like this game largely depends on that. Baker has been cleared to play. So he's, he's going to start. Awesome. And yeah. then, uh, I think Chubb is still working through some stuff or hasn't decided quite yet. Um, but yeah, so, you know, this game was a weird one for me. Honestly, I look at this game and went back and forth on it. I'm not really sold on either of these two teams. Um, I mean, you know, Pittsburgh's right about where I thought they would be. They're nothing special., uh, we kind of know you know, they're gonna give us twenty to twenty three points a game. They're gonna play solid defense. Um, with Cleveland, though, they're the unpredictable one. Uh, I think they're their back end especially has uh their back end especially has been really disappointing especially for the moves they made in free agency so they're going to have to get that figured out and Pittsburgh's a good team to do that against um and then offensively it looks like Nick Chubb is cleared to play like you said so uh run the ball run the ball run the ball if you're Cleveland i think that's what you got to do bakers you know he's coming off the injury the browns haven't been particularly great in the passing game um i i think that's the strategy here and i i really think we see a pretty low scoring game. I don't think it's going to be the most exciting game. Um, yeah. I mean, if I had to pick one, I think I'd just take the talent and go Browns for this one. Um, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough one to pick. I'm interested to hear your thoughts.
1: So you like the Browns to cover three and a half?
0: Yeah. I like the, I like the Browns to cover three and a half. Um, and that's just from from a talent perspective, uh, I just feel like, and I feel like their backs are against the wall. Obviously Pittsburgh's back is against the wall too, but I don't think they have the same expectations bearing down on them. I don't think they're the same talent level. Um, And if Cleveland loses, they're four and four. And they're, they're the, you know, the Ravens will be five and two. Bengals will be six and two, presumably. So, you know, then they're really in trouble. Um, So I think the Browns are going to figure it out here and, uh, and figure out a way to get a win over Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement uh, with you. I, I'm going to take the Browns to cover three and a half. I was kind of waiting on the status of Nick Chubb for this because, um, you know, in watching the Seahawks play the Steelers a couple of weeks ago on Sunday night, um, you can run on Pittsburgh because we we came out of the second half and handed the ball to Alex Collins 10 out of 11 plays and went 80 yards and scored. Uh, to open that second half and they just could not stop them. We were running all over them. So you can be physical in the run game with that group. And obviously the Browns, I think still, you know, they've been a little on, they haven't been healthy. I don't know if they're getting guys back or not, but they do have a pretty physical O line that run blocks obviously extremely well. Um, So getting Nick Chubb back is a huge deal. I expect a heavy, heavy dose of him, Um, him, and probably Dearness Johnson. I know they probably are going to work Chubb back in a little bit. So I would expect kind of a, uh, typical Nick Chubb, Kareem hunt, um, tandem acceptance, so obviously Kareem hunts on IR. So D. Ernest Johnson will take the place of that. So, but I just expect a lot of work on the ground, um, for the Browns in this game. Um, and then obviously with, you know, I think the other conversation about this in, in terms of the Browns, and I think we should spend a few minutes on is we got to talk about Baker because obviously he's been cleared to play in this game. Um, but I mean, the Browns have a pretty large decision coming up on him. And I'm very curious to hear what your thoughts are because I do not think the Browns should pay him.
0: Well, I, I do see what you're saying there. Um, uh, I really think it depends on obviously how much he asks for. Uh, I, I don't see a way that he can really ask for top end money. Um, you know, you see a guy like Dak who barely got away with that. Like it took forever. He had to negotiate for literally a couple of years. Um, and I think a guy, you know, a guy like Baker, who's in a different, he's in a lower class than, than that guy. I think he's more in the Kirk cousins level. Um, but that being said, like NFL franchises now, what choice do you have? Like you let Baker go, who's your options. Um, and I think it's a tough decision because you got a team like Cleveland does where you got so many pieces. Um, but it's tough to find a better quarterback and, you know, you know, trading for a draft pick is maybe one way, but then you're ending up with a rookie and this rookie class of quarterbacks looks pretty bad um, from what we've seen. And then, I mean, in the NFL, like who would be open to a trade? Like maybe you go snake Deshaun Watson. That hasn't been talked about at all as a possibility for Cleveland. Um, And, you know, with all the allegations surrounding Deshaun Watson, who knows how that even goes. Um, I mean, maybe you go after a guy like Jalen hurts if Philly decides to move on from him, but I don't really see a way that they can upgrade from Baker in the next year. So I think you got to, you know, maybe franchise tag him. If you're not sold, get him for 15 million um, or whatever the the cap is for quarterbacks. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think that you kind of have to sign Baker out of default. And I think that's where the Browns will end up regardless of how this season goes.
1: Yeah, those are those are valid points. Um, And you're right. I mean, the thing is, I'm just curious because I feel like Baker's going to command more money than he deserves. And I think the Browns need to be really careful because I would he is not a guy just in terms of what I've seen that I would pay more anything more than like pretty average money. I mean, look, Baker's an average quarterback. He's not he's kind of just a middle of the pack guy. That's what he is. I don't think he'll ever be a lot better than that. And so you have to be if that's what you're going to you know, pay, you have to be willing to not, you know, give into too much and pay him like top five to seven quarterback money. You can't do it. And I'm, that's really the point I'm making about the Browns. But you're right. This is a really weak quarterback class coming into this draft. So do you really want to bring in a rookie that, you know, will, I mean, rookies are always unpredictable. But I think this is compared to last year's class and two years ago. It's a very weak class, not not very many good options. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of trades, I mean, there's Deshaun Watson, there's Jalen Hurts, um, you know, we'll see if they make huge plays. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. I think there's a question about Russell Wilson too. Um, but those are really, yeah. those are shots in the dark. So you're not really going to bet on getting one of those two guys. Yeah. So I, I hear what you're saying about paying them, but I just think they have to be really careful because I don't, I don't think he deserves anything like top tier money. So a lot of it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty, it's going to be a tough negotiation because I'm going to be very curious to see what he commands. And the Browns, I think are going to have a pretty good sense of what they want to offer. And we'll
0: see if they can make some kind of agreement. No, absolutely. I think if you're Baker, like, and I don't know if he'll do this, but he, the one thing that I, not the one thing, but one of the things that I like about Baker is that he does have like that intense mentality. He's a winner. I think he commands the respect from a lot of guys, Um, you know, not that he's like the most class act guy, but he's intense and he's dedicated. And, um, with a guy like that, like, you know, and, and he's led the Browns say what you want about Baker, you know, he, this, it has been a good roster. I agree, but, you know, got the Browns to the playoffs for the first time in forever. And, you know, he's, he's won games here and he's done his thing. Like, I don't know. I think if you're Baker, your best bet is to sign for low money and then allow Cleveland to go get more loaded like go get some more receivers. They don't have anybody. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure if they wanted to, they could go get, uh, you know, whether it's through the draft or you go after a guy like Alan Robinson and trade picks to Chicago, or maybe go after a guy like Michael Gallup or, you know, and all those would be big time moves. But I think if Baker signs for a low amount of money, like this roster can get so stacked and the way that Baker's going to make his money or, or leave his legacy is by winning in Cleveland. You bring a championship to Cleveland, you're a legend no matter what. Like if you're the quarterback of that team, that's really enticing to me. So if I were Baker, I'd sacrifice it. You got all your commercials already, buddy. Like you're good to go in terms of money. You know, I I would command, I would get your respect, not through your contract, but get your respect by bringing a championship to Cleveland. Um, and, and the way to do that is, you know, to to uh, take less amount of money and go the Tom Brady route.
1: Yeah, that's the heck you, I was thinking about. I was thinking about Tom Brady. And well, it's just a lot of it, I think, is going to be his willingness to do that. Because if he's unwilling to do it, I just don't know if you like the Browns. The Browns have to, I think, if they're going to get, if they're going to resign Baker, if they're going to extend him, give him a new contract, it's got to be a contract that I think is team friendly and allows them to continue to build because you're paying a pretty average quarterback. So, um, I think there's, I think there's that to consider for sure. And then also another thing is, you know, another way to do that, obviously is we'll see what they think. One of the best ways to win in the NFL and to have the best team possible. And this is exactly why I think a team like the chargers is in a really good spot for the next couple of years before they have to pay Justin Herbert a boatload of money is when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal, it allows you to obviously like be able to pay other guys. So unless Baker is going to go the, you know, the Tom Brady route, like you said, and take a pay cut, I just don't know if he will. And if he doesn't, then the Browns are going to be put in a position where you either got to pay a guy or overpay a guy. I think who's in my opinion, relatively average or um, move off, move off him and try something new. Whether that means going after one of these veterans, that's like, really proven or going through the draft. So I think the Browns obviously have a really, really big decision to make. So we'll see where they go.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. And that'll be a storyline for a while to come, but yeah, point is big game for Baker this week um, and getting the Browns, you know, back on track if they're five and three, you know, you're sitting good. You got a chance to go into Cincinnati next week and um, potentially take the lead of the division. So uh, that being said, you know, a lot of decisions for the Browns, depending on how this year goes, but uh, got to take it one week at a time. Um, if we're moving on to the Titans and the Colts, Titans are five and two, Colts are three and four, both teams have won, two games in a row. It's the Colts who are two and a half point favorites here, uh, and I know we both have some thoughts on that spread. That's yeah, free money. I, I'm actually I would almost be willing
1: to actually bet this game. I ca- I cannot believe the Titans are underdogs. And I know the Colts have won two in a row and I'll give them a lot of credit. They in that that game against San Francisco, I really was impressed. I thought, um, you know, th- I thought as a team they played really well. And I think the Colts are doing a nice job of getting Jonathan Taylor involved. Jonathan Taylor is a really good player. Um, they're getting him involved in the running game and the throwing game. I'm starting to see a little bit more just easy completions for Carson Wentz. He did make a couple big throws to Michael Pittman in the game. Um, So I thought he played, you know, he played relatively well in the second half. I thought the first half was, you know, kind of classic Carson Wentz putting the ball in harm's way a lot, really bad, poor decisions, but their defense really stood up. Um, The defense is starting to come into form. They've got a lot of talented players over there. So, you know, that that's, there's a lot, there's things about the Colts that I think are getting better. So we'll, you know, we'll see, but I mean, my goodness, I cannot believe it. The Titans have been like, over the last two weeks, I think, just take it as a two-week sample size. I mean, I don't know. Can you find a team that's better in the NFL right now? I can't. They've beaten the, they killed the Chiefs, and they beat the Bills, who a lot of teams you know, consider to be the best team in the NFL going into it. And here they are. They're coming into, into a divisional game. I know it's on the road. Um, I, I guess Vegas must think like, you know, the odds makers must think this is some kind of letdown spot, but I don't think you can have a letdown game against a division team. Um, I expect the Titans to win this game. I don't, I expect them to win by about 10 to 12 points. So them being two and a half point underdog seems like a real steal. Uh, to me here, so I'll take the Titans plus two and a half on a pretty easy call. And if they win this game, they're going to be six and two. The Colts will be three and five, so they'll have a three-game lead in the standings plus the tiebreaker. So kind of a four-game lead, um, and that's pretty much you know foot on the throat right there. I think the Titans, the Titans, almost win the AFC South with a win this week, and I expect them to get it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like they already got their foot on their throat in a sense. Uh, you win this week, and you're starting to stomp down on the windpipe a little bit. Uh, Colts are running out of room. So, um, yeah, but I, I'm taking the Titans in this game and there's, uh, there's one big reason for it. And, uh, that's, that's that, that man, Derek Henry, um, I was doing some research and, you know, obviously Henry has been dominant for the last couple of years, but he's been particularly dominant in the ASC South. I mean, this dude is ridiculous within the division. Like he owns the AFC South. Every time Titans need a clutch win. I was going back through their 2019 schedule, going back through last year's schedule. Uh, you know, their division isn't the best, but there's always these close games that they play, especially with the Colts, especially with the Texans over the past couple of years. And Derrick Henry is always going crazy in those games. Um So since 2019, Henry's had 13 games against the AFC South. He had uh, six games, obviously, in 2019 and 2020. And then he's had uh, one divisional game so far this year. Um, Or two divisional games, sorry. So since 2019, Henry has ran for 144 yards per game against AFC South opponents. Against Houston, he runs for 189 yards per game. Two hundred, and he's had three two hundred yard games in his last four games against Houston, which is just that's just insane. He runs for one hundred twenty five yards per game against Indy, and has had a hundred plus yards in four of the last five. And then he runs for one hundred twenty six yards per game against Jacksonville. So in a in a two and a half year window, I mean Henry's not only run for a hundred yards; he's going crazy on these teams. Like I, I, he's the sole reason. I don't think the Colts have an answer for Derrick Henry. Uh, he's coming off of a frustrating week. He only ran for eighty something yards last week, which is kind of a dud for Derrick Henry. Um, I think he responds really well this week, and uh, I quite literally, I think he carries the Titans to to a victory here. Yeah,
1: I mean he he's just such a monster, and uh, the Chiefs obviously made. I mean, I was watching that game. The Chiefs put seven, eight, sometimes even nine guys in the box. I mean, they they made such an effort to stop Derrick Henry and. I mean, they, they slowed him down, but it allowed Ryan Tannehill to have a ton of success on play action. And they had one-on-one coverage everywhere. That's hence why AJ Brown had one of the best games of the season for him. Um, and yeah, but you're right. I expect Derrick Henry to come out. I, I would not be surprised if he runs for a hundred hundred to 150 yards, a couple scores. None of that surprises me. Then again, he's kind of, he can do that really whenever he wants. He's, you know, I always say it's kind of a, it's kind of a mixed bag when you, give running backs second contracts. I tend to not be in favor of that, but when you have a guy like him, it, it breaks rules. It breaks trends. He, he is a really special player. And when going you get a third contract here. Yeah. And he's going to, I think he'll get one. I mean, I, he, he deserves it. And I mean, honestly, the only, the only thing you ever worry about with running backs is health and just wear and tear on the body. That's just so much hitting and so much running and all this stuff, but he's just built, he's really built different. I mean, he's so big and strong and, it's really, it's pretty crazy stuff. And for a guy as big as he is, I think it's it's pretty unfair when he gets into the open field and how fast he runs. It is, uh, he, he's a special, special athlete. Um, and really for the Titans, as we talked about earlier, he, he's a pretty, uh, he's a pretty important asset for them down the stretch because a lot of teams, you know, you get into December and you get into the playoffs like teams are beat up guys are, you know, just bumps and bruises and it just, it's hard. It's tough. Uh, when you have a guy like that who can deliver so much punishment, I think the Titans are going to be a player in this thing down the stretch be really because of him. He's he's just he just adds a dimension that no one
0: else has in the NFL. Yep, I completely agree. Um and you know, I think he uh takes the Titans to a victory this week, so we're both in agreement on that game. Um quick note actually, back to the Pittsburgh Cleveland game. I'm actually going to switch my my pick to Pittsburgh because the spread was three and a half, not three. I know that sounds tacky, uh, but I think Steelers and Browns game is going to end up being a 24, 21, 20 to 17 kind of, kind of thing, which means the Steelers would cover. Uh, So I'll take the Browns to win Steelers to cover. Uh, Works for uh, works for me. I'll make up a game on you in the standings. (laughs) We'll see about that. Um, All right. Now we go Patriots chargers. we got three games left. We'll crank through these ones a little faster, Um, but Patriots three and four chargers four and two, uh, LA is five point favorites. Uh, despite the beatdown they took last year, you remember last year, Patriots come into SoFi and win it 45, nothing. Um, are there any takeaways that we can take from last year's game and apply them to this year? Or do you think this is a completely new contest? Uh, it's, it's
1: new contests. I mean, you know, Justin Herbert was a rookie last year. We, we know what Bill Belichick can do to rookie quarterbacks. Um, so I I just think last year was and sometimes you have a game where it was a dud. I remember I I saw a couple, you know, plays of that game the Chargers just played horribly and the Patriots were just were ready to go. But with that being said, I actually like New England plus 5. Um I'm going to take the Chargers to win. But a couple couple reasons. So I like the I do like the Patriots to cover, Chargers to win. So threading a needle here, but wow. Um Austin Eckler has not practiced the last two days, um, with a hip. I know Brandon Staley today said that he's hopeful that Austin Eckler will be able to play, but that to me sounds like a guy who, if he even is active is not going to play a lot. It's a pretty significant blow to their offense. Um, he's a pretty, it's a pretty big part of it. Um, so, you know, obviously the chargers are, uh, they are coming off a buy. So they they've had time to prepare for this and you need time to prepare because Bill Belichick's going to throw a lot of different stuff at you. The Patriots are going to do a lot of different things to try to confuse Justin Herbert Um, and I don't think Herbert will play his best game, but I like, I just think this game, um, ultimately, you know, Herbert will make some big throws when he needs to, I like the Chargers talent as a team overall, but you know, new England's been competitive. I mean, Mac Jones has played really well. If you look at, if you look at the rookie quarterbacks, I mean, Mac Jones has, has been the best so far. I think he's, I think we can say just to this point, he's been pretty efficient. He's made some nice throws. I was really impressed with how he played against Dallas, um, made some big throws in that game. I thought, um, and he's, you know, he's just doing what he needs to do. Uh, they're staying in games, which is exactly why I think new England can cover five, um, five points. And I expect them to keep the score down a little bit in this one. Uh, I'll go 23, 20 chargers on a, maybe a late field goal, a late drive from Justin Herbert, but I expect this to be a very highly competitive game. And if Austin Eckler cannot not go, I think the Patriots, we'll definitely keep it close, but even with him um, being a little bit hindered, I expect I'll take new England to lose a close game, but cover the spread.
0: All right. Um, I'm going to take the chargers to cover this one. Um, I think they're coming off the bye week that helps a lot. Um, and you know, the, the Eckler news definitely devastates their offense a little bit. Um, but just from watching new England in that Dallas game, I mean, Dallas threw for 500 or Dallas, racked up 576 yards of offense, 445 through the air, which is the most ever on a Bill Belichick defense. Um, New England's secondary just isn't good. Like they just can't match up against elite receivers. Um, They can't match up against an elite passing game. That really hurt them in in the Dallas game. I mean, I was getting frustrated watching how much Dallas was just trying to stick to the run. They could have thrown the ball left and right all game long. And I think the Chargers are going to catch on to that. Um, That's where Justin Herbert wants to be. Um, I don't know. You know, obviously Eckler helps a ton in the passing game, but I think despite that, you got Jared Cook, you got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Those are all going to be uh, big matchup issues for New England, um, and I think the Chargers are going to score a lot of points. I actually think there's a possibility that this ends up being something like a 35 to 28, you know, uh, 34 27 game. But uh, even a one touchdown game lets the Chargers cover the spread. So. I'm taking chargers plus five, uh, or chargers minus five. Um, and yeah, I think they, they cover the spread and win the game, uh, and move to five and two on the year, uh, moving on to the Cowboys and the Vikings. Obviously this is the most interesting game of the week, in my opinion. Um, Cowboys, obviously a lot of it depends on Dak. Um, but you know, reports that I've read so far, Uh, you know, McCarthy said some stuff, you know, it's a long season, whatever, uh, that sounded a little bit ominous. And, uh, but, but rumor from Dak Prescott is he said, uh, he, if it were up to him, if the decision were fully up to him, he would play Sunday. He, uh, ramped it up to a hundred percent, um, on Thursday went uh, as hard as he could in practice and said, it felt, you know, it felt like he could play on it. I'm sure it doesn't feel great. Um, but he felt, he feels like he's been getting better in rehab every day. Um, so, you know, I don't know who exactly is going to be pitching into the call, but, um, I, I feel like Dak Prescott, it's his own body. He's got to have majority of the decision you'd think, but we'll see what the, what the coaching staff says, but what are your thoughts on this game, Alec? This is a hard one,
1: man. This, this has been the one that I've struggled with. And a lot of it I think is because of Dak. Um, obviously, you know, what's kind of interesting about this game, if, Maybe maybe I'm mistaken. Are both teams coming off the bye week?
0: Yep, both teams are coming off the bye. So
1: so that's kind of interesting. So that both teams have had, you know, time to prepare for this one. And um, you know, I've gone back and forth. Do you have the line at Vikings by three?
0: Uh I thought it was Vikings by well, actually, last I saw it was Dallas two and a half. I haven't checked it since Wednesday. So it definitely Dallas did. Let's, let's see. Well, and with the DAC news,
1: it's moved. I'm going to check this really quick, but um, I think it's going to be a very competitive game for sure. Um, Sunday night, obviously, and both teams off the buy. So we'll see, hold on. I'm trying to find the line here.
0: I'm like looking all over the place. So it looks like. Something interesting is, is Dallas is six now against the spread this year, uh, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I this is this is going to be a game that um, I think if Dak is playing despite the injury, we're going to figure out a way to score points. The Vikings defense isn't super, uh, you know, it, it's nothing to be feared. I don't think. Uh, I think their ranking is a, a 17 in the league this year. And frankly, with Dallas, this might be um, a step of overconfidence, but. Dallas whatever defense they've played this year they've they ran them over they do whatever they want um and I think that's going to be the case this Sunday as well where you know whatever you do unless Dak isn't in the game you're not really going to limit Dallas's offense a whole lot I mean even last week in New England put up 35 points and had three turnovers in the red zone um three missed opportunities so I mean there's a lot wrong uh you know, like when you're turning the ball over in the red zone, that's a lot of missed points that you're leaving on the board. And despite all that, they still go for 35. Um, but then if we're looking at the Vikings, they've got tremendous balance as well. Dalvin cooks back in the lineup. He's ready to go. Those two receivers are incredible. Kirk cousins playing the best ball of his career, um, which is crazy at this point. And, um, you know, this game could have a ton of points. So, you know, it's really going to be, uh, a turnover battle and probably Dak's health is going to, you know, absolutely contribute to that as well. Yeah. the So I'm looking, the Vikings are two and a half point
1: favorites. The line has moved from when you saw it with Dallas favored, And with this Dak news, it's moved all the way to Minnesota being favored by two and a half, which that's a, that's a lot of movement, obviously with Dak. Um, I'm going to take the Vikings to win and cover. I think even with Dak, the Vikings win this game, I expect a lot of points. Um, but the Vikings at home on Sunday night. I think. I think this is a big Kirk Cousins game. I think. I just think both quarterbacks, if Dak can play, now, if Dak cannot play in this game, the Vikings will should win. I think fairly comfortably. Because um, would would Cooper Rush be starting for Dallas if Dak cannot play? Yes, he would.
0: Uh, yeah, that, I think that changes that. That changes it. If, if that, that happens, changes it. That that's okay. going to be. 14 to 17 point loss if Dak's not in the game
1: (laughs) yeah but i'll I'll take the i'll take the vikings anyways i just think this is it's going to be a fun game a lot of fireworks a lot of offense a lot of a lot of good throwing uh really great receivers on display and great pass catchers good running backs a lot of good offense um defense you know obviously dallas has been very opportunistic uh with trayvon Diggs and all those guys um now we'll see. I think, you know, I think Trayvon Diggs pick streak is going to come to an end. I don't
0: expect him really? to get one. I do. Yeah. yeah I, I think, think it's, can... I think it's continuing actually. That's what I was okay. going to say. Well, we could we could put a side bet on that one. Yeah. Let's, but, uh, you know, I, I think this game, I think this game actually, um, you know, what's interesting about Diggs is he's given up a ton of yards this year. Um, and he's kind of a boomer bust type of guy. He's also made a ton of huge plays and personally as a fan, um, And just as someone who's watched a lot of football and watched the NFL nowadays, like points and yards, they happen. Uh, I think the turnovers are well worth it. Um, and I think digs in this game could definitely have the type of game where Jefferson, you know, he gets his, he gets eight catches, a hundred yards, whatever it is. Um, I think Diggs has a really big chance to make to make a few plays on the ball. Like just the way the Vikings, you know, they throw a lot of crossing routes. They throw a lot of little out routes, little slant routes. Kirk Cousins likes to throw it short. Um, and Diggs jumps at every opportunity. And, you know, they might get him on a double move or two. We'll see. Um, I assume they'll put safety help over the top, but Diggs, man, you throw the ball short enough. He's going to jump one. Um, and I think he's going to have a few opportunities in this game. And if Kirk is off on just one of those throws, I think we, I think we see another Diggs interception and obviously I, I don't know. I can't decide whether that's a bold take or not because he's had one at more than one uh, in every game. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's what I'm thinking on it.
1: Well, that's, I mean, that's fair. he He's, he has been, he's been definitely a ball hawk, but I, I think Justin Jefferson's going to, is going to burn Diggs a few times in this game. Justin Jefferson is one of my favorite receivers to watch. He, I think he's going to be, a, he's just going to be a problem for you guys. I think just in the secondary, whether it's Diggs or anyone else that has to go up against him. Um, I'm, What's the name of your second corner? uh, Anthony Brown. Yeah. If that's ever an, if that's ever a matchup, that's a big mismatch for Dallas, obviously, but you
0: know what? Toast Brown. That's what they call it.
1: (laughs) But obviously, you know what, if you flip it to the other side, Dallas has some real matchup advantages on the outside offensively as well. Um, I'm just, I'm willing to bet on the Vikings at home here. Uh, I think Dallas, you know, both both teams coming off the buy. I think the game will be really close, uh, assuming Dak plays, but I'll, I'll take the Vikings, something like, uh, I'll go like 34, 30 in this yeah. game, a lot of points. Um, but I think both quarterbacks make big throws. I think a big game out of Justin Jefferson is coming. I'm talking like 125, 150 yards, two touchdowns. And uh, I'll take I'll take the Vikings at home.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, this is a game that I've gone back and forth on from feeling confident to not confident. Um, you know, obviously it sucks that Dak's uh, injury is a factor, um, but I think a calf injury isn't as big. Uh, for, a, for a quarterback as it is obviously for some positions. Um, and you know i think he's gonna go in this game uh, i think he's gonna make it happen i think dallas will probably try and open up with a lot of run uh you know a lot of quick stuff a lot of bootlegs like very quick things just to get that kind of working into it um but you know we've had a we've had a, a clean pocket for him most of the year the offensive line has been really good lyle collins is coming back this game so he's getting his first start since opening night um and we know how well that that offensive line performed against tampa bay so um I just think it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a game where the offenses are dominating, like you said, and I think it comes down to turnovers and um, which defense can come up with the one play or you know the two plays. and I think Dallas has shown that they're equipped to do that. So uh, I'm expecting a big play down the stretch from our defense somewhere. Um, and I think you know that that one play is kind of the difference in the game. So I'll take the Cowboys cautiously to cover the two and a half point spread. Um, and I think they'll they'll win and move to six and one. Um, but that being said, yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. So we'll see that one go down on Sunday night. That moves us to our last game of the week. Uh, that is the Buccaneers traveling to the Bayou to play the saints. Bucks are six and one saints, four and two. Tampa Bay is five and a half point favorites in this one. Um, let's hear your thoughts on this one, Alec. Buck to cover. I love Tampa Bay to cover. Um,
1: I think. I think Brady, I, you know, the same, I will say one thing about the Saints. Um, obviously, we just watched him play Seattle. Now, granted, that's Geno Smith-led Seahawks, who are just a complete train wreck. Um, can't do really anything well offensively at all. But, you know, I, I think the Saints, um, offensively right now, one of the things I'm starting to notice without Michael Thomas is the Saints really lack a threat at receiver. Like they, they need one. Like I was watching them and I mean, we, we do not exactly have a world beating secondary, but our secondary was pretty consistently winning throughout the night. The only guy who gave us an issue was Alvin Kamara, who of course is a great player. Uh, but I think the bucks with some of their linebackers, some of the guys they have there are going to be, are going to be able to you know match up with him and kind of limit his receiving ability. And even though the bucks have been super banged up in the secondary, I just don't think the saints have the receivers that are poised to take advantage and, and I, I think Jameis might struggle a little bit in this game. Um, and then the on the other side, the Saints defensively, really, they, they've been good. Demario Davis was fantastic um, against uh, against us on Monday night. He really took the game over. Obviously, Antonio Brown will not play. That that hurts Tampa Bay. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Mike Evans. We get to see that matchup again. We've seen those guys really get after it. Um, we've seen a, we've seen at least one game where both of them got ejected for fighting. So that that's going to be a fun little matchup within the game. But ultimately, um, I think you know in the dome, it'll be a nice, cool, easy environment for Tom Brady. Um, I expect him to hit his guys. Chris Godwin, the running backs really doesn't matter who it is. Tom Brady will hit them. Uh, so give me the bucks. I'm going to take the bucks 34, 24. So I like him by 10. Um, and I
0: think Tampa Bay takes the uh, firm hold of the NFC South on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, this is a really interesting one because I want to go Tampa. And I, I ultimately, I think I'm going to go Tampa to cover and win. Um, but I think, you know, it just still lingers in my mind last year. I mean, the Saints, they really like this is. You know, this is a pretty similar roster as what they had last year. Obviously, Drew Brees is out. Um, but he wasn't a huge factor, I don't think, in the Saints doing what they did to Tampa last year. Um, but I mean they they destroyed Tampa twice. And then even in that playoff game, they had them on the ropes. They were up, they were up a touchdown uh in the second half, and they had three consecutive turnovers and kind of gave that game away. So I mean, they gave they gave Tampa all it could handle last year. Um, and I do think Tampa's gotten better and they've, they've probably figured out a lot of those matchups, but, um, I think this game could be closer than people think that being said, you're right. I think Brady's just too much. Um, I think he's going to figure it out. He's going to come in highly motivated. This is another divisional game, kind of like the Titans and Colts, where they've got a chance to, uh, to stomp right on the throats of the saints, um, and walk out of there seven and one and kind of leaving the saints in the dust. So. Um, I'm going to take the bucks to win and cover. I do think this game is going to be in a single digit. So I think it's going to be seven to eight point game, uh, a little closer than people think. Um, but you know, we'll see how it goes. It's the NFL. So you never really know. Yeah, no, I, I agree.
1: And I, I just think, and obviously looking at last year, the Saints, you're right. The Saints dominated, especially that one game on Sunday night in in Tampa. I, that was one of the most shocking results of the season last year to me. I picked the Bucs to win, and obviously that did not happen. But um, I just think ultimately that the Saints, like I said, I don't think the Saints right now, with what I've seen with Jameis and what I just saw when they played Seattle and some of the other Things I've noticed. I just don't think the Saints are really built at the moment to take advantage of what right now is Tampa Bay's biggest weakness, which is their, uh, their secondary, just some of the health issues they're having back there. Um, and then the other thing is Tampa Bay is just absolutely terrific against the run. So they're going to do a pretty good job against Alvin Kamara in the run game. I just, I expect the box to come in with the game plan of let's, you know, we're going to be really, we're going to be really good with Camaro. We're going to take him as much away in the run game as we can. We're going to, you know, not let them just dump dink and dunk underneath to him. So he can run after the catch and pick up seven, eight yard chunks. I think they're going to make Jameis try to beat him with, with his arm with some pretty unproven receivers down the field. And I, even as bad as the Bucks you know, secondary could be with some of the injuries. I don't think they have the, uh, the guys to take advantage of that matchup. So I think the Bucs will play that kind of defensive strategy. They'll get after him a little bit with the front four. Um, And I just think Brady makes enough plays with regardless of who it is. So I I do like the Bucs in this matchup. I think it sets up nicely for him.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, that's what we got on the show today. Um, We'll be posting those spread results to the Instagram uh make sure to tune in next week we're going to talk about our official playoff predictions and kind of go through a little playoff bracket that's going to be a fun show a lot of hypotheticals a lot of predictions uh those are always good so uh yeah we'll be back with you guys next Friday thank you guys for tuning in um and have a great week of watching football we'll see you next week